0: Sometimes I wish that you all had the view that I do, I am watching a little baby watch the chorus this morning. It's a good view. Well, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. I feel as though we should all be congratulated for just making it here this morning, for making it out of our driveways or across our city streets or just off the couch after the week that we have had. Plowed streets and only a few more inches of snow in the forecast. Better than chocolate and roses. Actually, lots of things are better than chocolate and roses, at least as far as Valentine's Day is concerned. I have a somewhat uneasy relationship with this particular holiday, and I doubt that I am the only one. Has anyone here ever had a bad Valentine's Day? Well, that's a, actually, a lot of you have had good ones. That's nice. <laughs> my favorite incarnation of Valentine's Day is the elementary school version, when you have to give Valentines to all of your friends, and you put them in little shoebox mailboxes on your desk. That was fun. One year in high school, I threw a party for all my friends who were single on Valentine's Day, also a good time. I figured Valentine's Day would be even better when I was dating someone and then married, but I haven't found that to be exactly the case. (laughs) Somehow, no, it's really not. It's the hype of the holiday which seems to overtake the reality of the day. And more than once, I have found myself having an aggressively romantic meal. Champagne, chocolate mole sauce, heart-shaped bread loaves, on a night when I'd rather just snuggle up and watch a DVD. And now Facebook has gotten into the act. The latest campaign on Facebook asks users to change their profile picture to one of them with their spouse or partner, and then write in their status how long they've been together. This is a nice homage to love and commitment, but it has its problems. My colleague, Reverend Heather Janulis, who I quote here with permission, raised a good question. In her status, she wrote that she wonders what single people should do during this Facebook Valentine's Day campaign. Change our profile picture to a photo of us holding a sign reading, Help Wanted? (laughs) Thank goodness for humor. On this day of red roses and teddy bears holding heart-shaped pillows, this day which almost never lives up to our high expectations for it, we can at least laugh a little bit. We can remember what love is all about. Shared laughter being high on that list. And actually, here at WES, you all have known for a while that Valentine's Day isn't just about the chocolate and the roses. Mary Herman, the community leader, started Pay Attention to Love Day almost 20 years ago. She wanted to bring into people's attention that love was the most important thing we have, that love called out for us to notice it, to honor it, to hang out a flag for it, and shout it from the rooftops. Over the years, Mary has spoken about all different kinds of love, about love of parents and children, spouses, mentors, but each time she has asked the community to stop and really see the love around them. Pay attention to Love Day has become a favorite part of the liturgical year at West, a day when we knew that we would talk about the awesome power of love in our lives. And we're not alone in celebrating the power of love. The ancient Greeks recognized different kinds of love, eros, erotic or romantic love, phylos, the love of friendship, agape, unconditional and deep love. Early Christians picked up on those categories and sought to live with agape love in their fellowships and communities. In the Gospel according to John, one of the books that describes the story of Jesus' life, Jesus says to his disciples, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And we too, in our religious tradition, we too try to live with love for one another. We too try to expand the definitions of love to talk about the many ways that love appears in our lives, to pay attention to the love around us. Today I want to pay attention especially to the idea of covenantal love, love that carries with it promises. That word covenant I think is sometimes a tricky one. We think about the covenants in the Hebrew Bible or about legal covenants, which I understand are usually tied to land use, always the most romantic of legal matters. But in its purest sense, in its religious sense, a covenant is a promise that calls on our deepest values, on our understanding of the ultimate. Because it carries with it a sense of being done with intention and attention, A covenant holds more importance than an agreement. Covenants aren't unbreakable. They can be changed and revisited, but they shouldn't be thrown aside without thought. And covenants must be entered into freely, with respect for all the parties. Covenantal love is at the heart of marriage, and therefore at the heart of our work for marriage equality, too. Indeed, when you listen to clergy speaking out in support of marriage equality, I guarantee you will almost always hear that covenant word somewhere in their reasoning. The covenant is what makes marriage not just a civil right, but a sacred one. Marriage is the creation of promises, vows that spell out what the partners hope to be for each other in the years to come. Those promises, that covenant, exists between the partners but with an understanding of the power of love the power of the human spirit that runs through the center of our lives and almost always there's an acknowledgement too of the community that witnesses that covenant when i officiate at weddings i often ask the gathered congregation to affirm their vows vows to support the couple as they travel a long life together To be friends not only to one partner or the other, but to be friends of the couple together. Friends of the relationship. To honor, in other words, the covenant that has been created. Today, at the end of our platform, we will be witness to another covenant being made as we dedicate seven beautiful babies in our community. In fact, as with some weddings, we will be not just witnesses, but participants in that covenant. Our baby naming ceremony has a time for the parents to make promises to their children and for the whole community to make our promises too. We promise to care for these children, to watch them as they grow, to be friends with them. We take on some of the responsibility for these children's spiritual and ethical growth because that's what it means to be in religious community together. Some of you have heard me talk about the root of the word religion, which comes from the Latin ligara, or to bind together. Baby dedications, covenantal promises between adults and children for care and love, that is binding together in its very best form. And what I'd like to invite us into today is the idea that we are just like these little babies, not perhaps all looking quite so angelic but all bound together in covenantal relationship. Here at West, we share words when new members join our community, words of welcome, but promises too, and expectations of promises in return. We promise to be in relationship with each other, to talk to each other when we disagree or when we understand things differently. We promise to celebrate together and grieve together to show up with casseroles when life gets hard, and to keep each other's children from eating too many cookies at coffee hour. I would like to say not everyone is keeping their promise to me on that, so I'm watching. (laughs) These promises aren't exactly stipulated in the new member welcoming ceremony, but they are at its heart. Being part of a religious community means going through life together, Choosing to throw our lot in with all these other people and say, this is my place. This is where I make my promise to be together. And truthfully, all of us who are part of this community share these promises with each other, whether we say them aloud or not. As a creedless religion, ethical culture doesn't have a litmus test of belief for members. Instead, we ask people to commit to figuring it out together, to asking the right questions and listening for answers, working together to make the world more just and more beautiful and more welcoming. Just by showing up on Sunday mornings, by participating in the democratic process of membership meetings, by serving on committees and task forces and deepening circles, we are joining the covenant of this community, a promise of a people to travel along the way together. Unitarian Universalist Minister Dennis McCarthy calls covenant the faith of ethical relationship. which Sounds a lot like us, actually. And he puts it this way. We need a faith of ethical relationship, a faith of covenant, a committed faith that people's lives matter, that what happens between human beings here and now matters more than the authority of any particular belief, and that we have it in our power to make the future better than the past. He goes on, We make promises to one another. We do the best we can. Even to make a serious promise is a real expression of faith, not only in the person we promise to, but also that the future is worth saving, that at its best, The future can and will be better than the past. Well, that's the promise part, the covenant. But we're not just talking about any old covenant today. We're talking about covenantal love. And so where is the love piece in all of this? It's easy, I think, to see the love in a baby dedication. All those chubby cheeks and beautiful smiles. What about the love at membership meetings? The love in finding a parking space and all of the snow on Kalmia while you just rush to make it in the door by 11? What does it mean to have love woven through our life as a congregation? This is where we need that expanded definition of love, where perhaps we turned to the agape love of the ancient Greeks and the early Christians. But I want to resist, I think, over-intellectualizing this one, over-philosophizing, because although there are indeed many kinds of love, even more than those three commonly described, in the end, I think they all come down to the same sort of feeling, a feeling of mattering, of understanding, of awe at the person before you and the connection between people a heartwarming kind of feeling. It's that feeling that we can tap into, return to, when we're looking for a basis for our work together in our community. I feel it most often when we sing together or when I see our children help each other in the hallways or when I greet people on Sunday morning, happy to be together. If we let it, that love can be the underpinning of everything we are together. I especially like the idea of love as the basis for social justice work for a congregation's wider mission in the world. Rabindranath Tagore, the early 20th century Bengali poet, said, He who wants to do good knocks at the gate. He who loves finds the door open. I should say that although it was indeed Rabindranath Tagore who said this the quote came to my attention because it was in the Saturday comics as part of Mutts the animal comic strip. <laughs> People wonder sometimes where I get my quotes from. That's where. For me though that idea the person that loves finds the door open. It speaks to our need to base our work for justice in what we feel. To stand up for what is right because it stirs our hearts. We liberal religious folks are sometimes accused of being only about thinking. But I think we do our very best work. We are our very best selves when we are feeling our way forward. When we are listening to what our hearts tell us. That's the idea behind Standing on the Side of Love, a campaign started by the Unitarian Universalist Association but imagined as a multi-faith response to injustice. Loosely organized, it simply asks people everywhere to stand on the side of love, to stop and notice when they see something unloving, to stand up and call for change. People across the country have stood on the side of love in support of immigrant families to denounce hate-filled language in the public square, to add their voices to those of farm workers working against slavery in the fields. This community stood on the side of love at the National Equality March in October and at rallies and interfaith services in support of marriage equality in the District of Columbia. And when the first legal same-sex marriages are performed in D.C. in just a few weeks, you can bet that love will be there. That standing on the side of love campaign has caught, caught on all over. I myself have heard the phrase repeated by Methodist ministers, D.C. council members, and Mormon activists, not a group you always see together, and its power is tangible it calls us to a deeper sense of justice, to a deeper sense of what is right in the world, to the idea that love is beneath and behind it all. You know, I've often thought of writing a platform about science fiction and fantasy novels. I promise this is going to connect I loved that genre as a young teenager, particularly anything with ageless beings, alternate realities, and talking animals, my trifecta of (laughs) fantasy themes. You can imagine some of the usual suspects. You may have read them yourself. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, of course. A Wrinkle in Time, Susan Cooper's excellent Dark is Rising series. I was, as you might be able to guess, a prime candidate for Harry Potter when it came out, and I devoured the books, although I assure you that was considerably past the time when I was a young teenager. The reason that I think there's a platform in all of this, in all this reading, is that each of those series, no matter the twists and turns of plots, the different characters and settings, each has something in common. Beneath the magic of wizards and the princesses and the talking dogs, there was always a deeper magic. A magic that usually the villain had forgotten and that the hero would remember in a moment of great need. A magic that transcended spells and wands, that was beyond the reach of counter-hexes and white witches that magic was always at its heart the same it was love love of a mother for a child protecting him from beyond the grave love of a sister for her little brother calling him out of the clutches of evil love of a little child and some mice for a lion bringing a new beginning love is the deepest magic that we have and the good news for those of us who live outside of a fantasy novel is that love is very real it shows up in a million ways in casseroles and in committee meetings in promises made to babies and even in chocolate and roses I'm a greedy person maybe I want all the kinds of love that I can get. Eros, phyllos, agape, I will take every single one. But most of all, I want the love that I can give back, the love that demands still more love. I want the kind of love that compels me to make promises, that brings me into covenant with my spouse and with my child and with my congregation. Etta James may have said it best. I want a Sunday kind of love, she sang, a love to last past Saturday night. I'd like to know it's more than love at first sight, and I want a Sunday kind of love. Well, dear friends, it's Sunday. And so I want to say, I love you, and happy Valentine's Day.